Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and as we walk with Jesus Christ through these last days of his earthly life, culminating in Holy Week, we invite you to join us in this Lenten journey, a journey of introspection, a journey of preparation, a journey that will help us to come home to God through Christ. So we invite you to join us as we set our feet toward Jerusalem. Come on in. Our first lesson is from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Mark's Gospel. We are in chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. These are familiar words. These words constitute some of the foundation and core of our Christian belief. Listen again with fresh ears. Mark 8, 31 through 38. Eight. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he, Jesus, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? 
Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who were ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how many people can recall a time when they felt foolish? Just today, we could start with. (laughs) You remember back through your life to some of those embarrassing things. Maybe you were a child, maybe a youth, maybe an adult. Well, there was a, a magazine article I read about several actors who were talking about their prom situations. Uh, for example, um, Matt LeBlanc, who is Joey on Friends, talks about his junior prom and his powder blue tux that he wore that gained him all kinds of marginalization. If you remember the actor Lorenzo Lamas, he said his, his date refused to go with him when he showed up in a yellow polyester tux. Anybody? Anybody? Lauren Holly is an actress. She said she had a date with the most popular boy in school, and they had a great time. And when she got home, her parents pointed out that right in the center, she had a big hunk of broccoli there, probably all night from dinner. Yes. And since you asked, I'll share one on myself as well. For my senior prom, had white tails with the aqua blue Miami Vice tie and cummerbund special edition. But of course, it'll, you, you'll, you may not believe this, but I was late. I was running behind. So I'm in the bathroom, got the tunes going, prom night, woo! Waiting for, going with two other couples. And I was shaving at a rapid, hyper-quick space, because I was, uh, hyper-quick time, because I was late. And so in doing so, I'm shaving very quickly, and I cut my lip right in the middle, right at the fleshy part that doesn't heal as long as you move your mouth, eat, talk, smile, or do anything. So we did the whole thing. It was with several couples. We were in the tux. We were going to, at that time, I lived in Northern California. So we went into San Francisco, this beautiful restaurant overlooking the bay, and the whole time, I am dabbing my nap, my white napkin against my incessantly bleeding lip, which by the end looked like a gauze from a Civil War hospital. I was afraid to smile. I kept dipping my lip in the ice water, hoping it would, it would cool and, and stop bleeding, but it didn't. So that was a fun time for me. Foolish all night. And now I'd like you to turn to someone and tell them a time where you were Foolish, possibly at a wedding, wedding reception, perhaps. Uh, don't stop believing. Any, anything? No, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Um, so we are in this arena of foolishness. What is Paul talking about to the Corinthians when he said, the way of the cross is folly? If you remember, he begins and says, those who are perishing think that this, I'm paraphrasing, this cross business is foolish, is folly. But for those of us who believe, it is the power of God. And that really defines 
Christians versus non-Christians. A lot of people look at us and our faith and they think you people are fools. You are crazy. Another interpretation is the word crazy. So we are all crazy for following this God who claims to be crucified on the cross. Vicki talked about who might be considered those crazy Christians. Who in your journey was a crazy Christian for you? Meaning they didn't care what other people thought about them. They were people of faith through and through. And no matter what they said or did, it all came through a lens of their Christian belief. She talked about her grandparents. I'll talk about my grandmother, Peggy, lived in Monroe, Louisiana, where my mom's side of the family is from. Uh, no, they didn't know the Duck Dynasty people. So my grandmother, when she would come to town, we would call her the crazy Christian. And we were in church every Sunday. Why? Because she lived it, she talked about it, and you always knew that whatever you talked about came through a lens of her belief. How did we know this? Well, me and my sister were little at that time, and when she would come down, not, not very much money, she was in her big old something, Buick something, and the radio didn't work, and she would have one of those push cassette players, just apart from the radio, sitting in the seat, and a tambourine. So not only do you know that she's going down the highway one-handed, woo, doing her Jesus stuff, but when she would drive my sister and I, whoever sat in the front seat had to work the tambourine. That's embarrassing. But I'm grateful for her and her witness because I knew it meant something to her. It wasn't just something that as generally my family did growing up, we didn't talk about it a whole lot outside of worship. She did, and we made, she made sure that we knew what she believed and why what we said we believed mattered. That is a crazy Christian. That is what Paul is pushing us towards today. That the world may look at you and call you a crazy Christian. And by that, I don't mean a judgmental Christian. I don't mean a Christian that is looking and, and, and beating people with their Bibles and saying, you better believe or else. Jesus got a warm place, which... I won't make a weather joke this morning. Jesus has got a place for you, rotten in hell forever. Woo! Follow Jesus now. We love him. Of course, that isn't God's plan or how we operate as those who follow Christ. And wherever you are on your faith journey is the right place. If you don't have an iota of belief, but you are here, you are in the right place. God loves you and God is seeking to reach out to you, to bring you through Christ home. Paul is saying that this folly of the cross is one way that we judge who we are as disciples. Would others look at us and say, you foolish Christians, why do you believe what you believe? Paul is talking to the Jews and the, the Gentiles at the church in Corinth, which are having problems because the Jews want a sign 
of Jesus's miraculous power, which they got some, but they wanted more. And the Greeks, more in the vein of philosophy and education and thinking and theology, they wanted to just think and have these erudite, lifted conversations about what this means and what we believe. And really, we're both of those, the Jews and the Gentiles or the Greeks in this case. Because we are always asking for signs, aren't we, friends, from God? God, if you were there, just make this pen raise up real quick, then I'll know. Then I'll really believe. Get me through the next five stoplights, and then I'll know you're there. Let me win this lottery, and uh, I'll give uh, at least 10% back to you, and then I'll know you're there. We look for signs all the time. And by the way, we are surrounded by signs all the time that we do not see or write off as not being from God. And then we as Presbyterians are good at that other spot also. We, we stand on a foundation of education, of learning, of schools, of trained leaders, both lay and clergy. We like to say that we are a thinking people. We want to ask questions. We want to study in groups because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. We cannot do it on our own. Why? Because we do not grow. We think what we think. We've got God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in our little box, and it will not move or grow unless we are pushed by others who see things differently. That is why we worship together. It is why we study together. It is why we serve together. But often us Presbyterians also like to keep that locked up in here. We like to keep it up top. We've got this running dialogue in our mind, this this running idea of collecting information. Oh, yeah, that's a good part. I'll remember that. Oh, that was good. Preacher, that was good. Sunday school teacher, that was good. Choir, got that, got that piece, got this piece. And then we go out like nothing ever happened, and we keep that in our mind. That was the Greeks, and we are both of those. And Paul says we need to get above and past all of that. We are called, as Mark tells us, to take up our cross and walk. What does that look like? That can look like a crazy Christian. That can look like a fool to those who do not believe. Why? Because we are sacrificing for others in the name of Christ. Fred Craddock, uh, the late Fred Craddock, was preacher extraordinaire and taught a lot of preachers and he said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price for martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. But then continues, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in those little acts of love, five and ten cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. And we know that to be right, isn't it? Don't we? Sometimes we have conversion moments or God in our midst moments, and those are amazing. Those are the mountaintop experiences. But God says you cannot stay on the mountaintop 
I'm going to talk to you up here, but then send you back into the valley. We live in the valley. And we have these mountaintop experiences, whether we are on a mountaintop or not. By that, I mean we have a God connection moment. And when we have those moments, we know that God is there. And we remember those big moments throughout our lives, whether perhaps you had a conversion moment. Perhaps you had a moment in a Bible study, in worship, at a music event. Somewhere something connected, serving others, somehow God spoke to you through those events. Maybe you look back over your life and the Holy Spirit was with you all the way. And you say, yes, Lord, you were there and I thank you. But it's the little things we do daily and that helps us to take up our crosses. I know we feel insignificant sometimes when we look at the issues that are overwhelming in the world. How is it that we can take up our cross just as one person? Well, I'll share a couple of quick things in relation to the Ukrainian crisis. At the Ukraine Evangelical Theological Seminary, Joshua Toker, Director of English Language Services, says... The Ukraine is the main missionary sending country for Eastern Europe and Central Asia. The church is very strong. As far as Europe is concerned, the Ukrainian church is perhaps the strongest and is doing the most for education, training, and sending out workers. I didn't know that. That the Ukraine is the main missionary sending country for Eastern Europe and Central Asia. What does that look like? How our cross is being lifted? The Sisters of St. Joseph of St. Mark in Mukachevo, Ukraine, have provided food and shelter for students and have helped them safely escape to nearby countries. A medical student described how the sisters rescued him and his friends and said, I quote, the sisters took us to their convent in their vehicles, hugged each of us with their love and warmth, gave us food, a warm hall to sleep in, escorted us in the morning to cross the Romanian border. Additionally, Dominican sisters from central Poland have established and established a humanitarian corridor that regularly transports trucks from Poland to Ukraine. These brave women have taken action to bring much needed food, water, equipment, and medicine to their neighbors in need. They are lifting their cross. Friends, today Paul and Mark are both telling us that we are called to be those crazy Christians who live their life intentionally as Christians, who know that even the small things that we do every day, paired with the per other person who's next to us, what they do every day, the person down the pew, all the people in the rest of the sanctuary, those in the rest of the churches, and the, that body of Christ around the world, when we put our little bit of Christian intentionality and cross-lifting together, miraculous things happen. Each of you matters. Each of your gifts matter. Everything you do every day matters. Again, it may not be in these big glorious ways, it may be in the way that we intentionally live our life every day as followers of Jesus Christ. 
So in the season of Lent, the word is intentionality. We are seeking to live in even more intentional life as we prepare in these few weeks leading up to Easter to pick up our cross as disciples of Christ, which means sacrifice. It means giving up, and it means giving up for others. So as we continue on, let us not forget that we are called to be fools for Christ as we pick up and take up our cross. And in doing so, the world will be transformed. Hallelujah. Amen.